Okay, I gotta find my notes. (laughs) Oh, here we go. Oh, you got it. Not even ready. Jeez. No, because this episode's a little different. Anyway, it's gonna be a little more casual, a little more, a little less like structured. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So anyway, let's do our actual intro. Oh, okay. You you want to take it away? <laughs> Welcome to the Badass Broadcast. The podcast about badass broads. I'm Carrie. I'm Shalom. And we are your hosts, your lovely, lovely hosts. And um, today we are coming to you on, we're recording on March 21st. Yes. Which up until two days ago, I did not know was uh, Rosie the Riveter Day. Okay, but we haven't even started. We no, haven't even we talked. haven't. We about, have, like, you're right. I'm just like, so excited to get into thing. it. I know. You're so excited. <sighs> we can, whatever. I'll take that out. No, you can keep it in. Um, <laughs> but Carrie's obviously super excited yes. for this episode, as am so, I. So, okay, okay. Really we'll, we'll call that a little bit of a spoiler. It's okay. Rosie the Riveter Day today mm-hmm. on the day of our recording. Not when you'll hear it, but whatever. That's fine. Um, yeah, so uh, what's going on with you? What's new with you? Oh, I, I don't know. <laughs> I had no reason to. <laughs> Nothing happened this week? Um, well, I deleted all, I deleted TikTok and all of the games from my phone. Ooh. So that's, that's big for me. Um, yeah, that would be big for me. Well, I mean, I don't have TikTok, but. So TikTok is like, I'm not really active on there, but I, I just recognize that I can spend like two hours oh, on my God. phone staring at the screen because it's so interesting. But um, yeah, so I, I had to get rid of it. It's just too much. I want to be more productive member of society. Yes. So. Uh, so yeah, TikTok and games. But I do get really bored at work sometimes. So the games may you know, come back. It's a two-edged sword because yeah, like every once in a while you just want a little game to sort of kill a few minutes time but yeah. then if you're not really really careful about it yeah it can go on and on and on and it can turn into like a total time waster and just yeah. steal your time and your brain power or just to refresh you so like in uh college we learned like the first week of college they like taught us a bunch of stuff about like how to study and all that stuff and one of the one of the pointers was instead of taking you know studying for hours and hours at a time and then taking a long break they said it's actually like they cited a bunch of research and they're like it's actually more effective if you study for like 20 minutes at a time take a two-minute break study for you know half an hour and take a five-minute break whatever whatever's best for you because it really just keeps your energy up instead of getting drained or just feeling like you're you're killing yourself you know that's the same kind of principle like when when you do a workout like a high intensity workout yeah they they always build in rest periods and a rest period could be like 30 seconds yeah yeah maybe a minute but But like not enough that you you don't lose your momentum and and you don't and you're not enough time that your heart rate goes back down to normal yeah or that you fully caught your breath but just enough time to to yeah like to to get like um just a, a wee bit of relief, and then you can keep going longer. Yeah. And same thing with uh, what I'm learning is uh, in trying to get into the habit of writing is to you write for a short period of time. And like you plan it ahead of time. You write for a short period of time. Then you take a break for a few minutes, and you build that in. And like you literally write out a schedule. Like I'm yeah. writing for 30 minutes, 10-minute break, 30 minutes. To, and like it's – Yeah, so you don't it lose works. momentum. Yeah. So that's why I, I exactly. would always have like um, – even when I'm at work, like, and I'm just bored out of my mind, I'll be like doing, cause I do repetitive tasks and then I'll just like grab my phone and pull it out for one quick game that takes a minute or two and then close yeah. my phone and be fine. And yeah, so I, I don't know, it may come back. I'm not saying this is like, this is my new stance and I'm not going to die on that hill. No, but, but I, if you need to take a break yeah, for a I while. Just, I just need to be more productive cause I have other things that I want to do, but I just like get yeah. caught up in. TikTok, oh, me too. Which is the worst. And I'm not as bad with like Twitter or Instagram. I mostly like can just like look and scroll for five minutes and be done. So I do tend to get lost in Instagram sometimes. Mm. I am trying, I'm working on uh, reading more. <clears throat> I think yeah. I might have mentioned that last week, but yeah. Yeah. I've, that's exciting. I bought a lot of books and I need to read them. Yeah. Um, 
I found that, uh, like the ones that are like self-help or like, you know, nonfiction sort of like how to like improve your life or whatever, mm-hmm. um, they're, they can be hard to get through just because, I mean, there's I'll just lot. be honest. Just there's packed. a lot of people out there, like I read Christian books and there's a lot of people out there who have great content, great things to say. Um, especially preachers, like I can really, really appreciate the content of what they're trying to say, but they're not necessarily like writing is not necessarily their number one talent. Let's put it that way. Like, like I can, I can, kind of like celebrities. I, like you're basically like, like I'm books. reading the book of like say a content of whatever teaching series that they've mm-hmm. done, right? Or their their central message that they're trying to put out to people. And one of the mediums that they use is to write a book, which is fine and great if you don't want to sit down and listen to multiple, like, yeah. speeches or whatever. But writing is not necessarily their strength. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you have to sort of, I have to make myself make yourself read through it, yeah. and, like, skip through the parts that, are, well, that I think are, like, like, slightly cheesy. When celebrities <laughs> write a book, I've I've picked up a few where I go, like, I'm reading and like I'm like through one chapter and I'm just like really, really like of course this is a New York Times bestseller. <laughs> it doesn't mean it's any good. <laughs> just because you've no. already got a built-in audience. So yeah, I mean yeah, that's not to knock them. The like thing. whatever, if you you found a way to succeed, like do yeah, it. I'm not gonna knock them. Everyone should be able to tell their own story. But yeah, I understand some books are easier to tell to read than others and. They're written for the content or they're written by the personality and that's what's selling them, right? Yeah. Not necessarily the writing skills of the author. (laughs) Let's just put it that way. (laughs) Not mentioning the book I'm reading right now. It's it's a good book. It is a good book. (laughs) As you're like touching it and pointing it at it and trying to convince me it's like. (laughs) I have read. There are many, many more stronger writers out there. Okay, okay, okay. So, um, so I've been watching this channel on YouTube lately and this week, I'm not going to lie. I think I binged like half of the, half of the episodes. (laughs) Uh, It's called Fundy Fridays and it's this woman, she's so adorable and so funny and she just does her makeup while telling you about a cult or like a religious sect or whatever, um, like mostly fundamentalist Christian sects. Um, and she, like, she does her makeup and, but she does like a, a hell of a lot of research beforehand. It's not like she's just like spouting it out, but, um, and then sometimes she has her boyfriend on there and he is, I believe a social worker and he's really funny too and really insightful and it's just really fun. Her name is Jen. His name is James. Oh, I was going to say. Because, like, there's another girl that I've watched, like, some of her videos on Facebook, but she might be on YouTube, too. But she does the same thing. She does her makeup, and then she'll tell, like, a true crime story okay. as she's doing yeah, her makeup. Yeah, I've seen some of those. This is, yeah, it's kind of fun because it's just, like, what else you know, instead do while of you're just, doing your makeup? Instead of her <laughs> just uh, sitting there talking to you. But, like, the episodes are sometimes, like, an hour long, so it's not, like... She's doing her makeup the whole time, but no. instead of her just sitting there talking to you, like she's she also like puts you know pictures and videos and everything interjects into there. So yeah, it's, it's, it's really it's just yeah. another way yeah. She's of doing fucking it. adorable. So that's cool. Um, yeah, I think I've watched like half of them, and I'm like <laughs> obsessed. She did the like the Duggars, and then she did the Plath family, whom I've never heard of. But there's like Welcome to Plathville. Oh, uh, it's a YouTube family, hey? Yeah, yeah. I've heard of them. I've never watched their stuff, though. Oh, my God. I'm obsessed with them now. Like, <laughs> but all their, like, not all, but a handful of the older children are kind of, like, off doing their own thing. And so the, the cameras are, obviously, it's contrived. Obviously, it's, like, for reality TV. But they're off doing their own thing. They, like, either have no contact or limited contact with their parents and then they'll still be on the show and they'll be like brutally honest in front of the camera. And it's like, holy shit. Like, yeah. I don't know if their parents are ever going to see this or what, but <sighs> it's really like really interesting. That's but funny. Anyway. 
Well, yeah. we, we're having like a really nice early spring. Yeah. And I'm relishing it. But at oh the same God, time, I'm, I'm, I'm like uh, wary. Why? Because this is really early for spring. Is it? And uh, to have all this, almost all the snow gone by mid-March... That's we'll get very more rare, snow, for sure. Uh, that's yeah. See, that's what I'm wary about. Like it's <laughs> it's been a really gorgeous weekend. Like uh, just beautiful. Like plus teens Celsius, yeah. and uh, um, I'm j- I, maybe I'm just waiting for the, the other shoe to drop. <laughs> yesterday, okay. Yesterday, I had this bright, brilliant idea, and I was like, I need to get out on the highway. I need to get out of the city. And so I took the dogs and I, I, I went to the beach um, where we usually go to the beach in the summer. Yeah. And uh, I was thinking like, oh, it's going to be quiet. Like there's not going to be anybody there because it's just, it's not beach time yet. I get there. I turn down the gravel road to get to there. And I see this line of vehicles parked along Shoot. the road even before you get to the parking lot. Yeah. And as I drive up there, I'm realizing this is like all these trucks with trailers and ATVs and all these total rednecks like out there with their ATVs that I go into the parking lot and the road I wanted to take to this, the other parking lot further down is closed off. Yeah. Cause I guess they close it until summer and everything's melted or whatever. But, and I was like, yeah, this is not what I wanted when like, I thought of like an empty, like beach early yeah. spring. Like I never go springtime, winter or whatever. I thought it would be fun to just sit there for a bit or, like, let the dogs run around. Yeah. So I just turned around. And I was like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? So I ended up going to the other side of the lake, another hour of driving. Yeah. To get to wow. Winnipeg Beach to walk around and uh, to look at the dog beach. And I uh, went on the dog beach. And um, there's a, I, I posted a picture on my Instagram. I'm like, I'm wearing my flip-flops. I'm standing in the sand, but there's snow Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and it was mostly snow. There was little patches of sand, but it was mostly yeah. snow. And uh, and then we just ended up walking around the, the campground right there, like literally walking around the campground. Yeah. And uh, it was nice, though, to get a nice walk in, and there was not very many people around, and I was out of the city. and So it was nice. Not, for, not as much nature as I wanted, but um, I'll take it. I will take it. Yeah, so I'm just looking up the uh, forecast. It's supposed to snow on Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday. Light snow. Light snow is okay. So but we'll definitely like get it again. A big dump. Like, like it would not <laughs> be dump. surprising to get a big snowfall in like April or May. <laughs> That's been known to happen. Yeah. So. But anyway, I will take this early spring. Yeah. So should we get into our topic for today? Yeah. You already gave us a hint. So, okay, so what happened was I've uh, last time I started um talking about women at war. Yes. And uh this week I was going to do like another sort of like two or three people, and I had two of them in mind that were um pilots that I might do next time, but yeah. I was searching for like an additional story. And um and then I sort of changed my mind there for a couple of days. I was going to do Sacagawea. But then I realized, you know, there's a lot of this just myth around her and there's not a whole lot of verifiable facts. Okay, yeah. So it's just be, it would be really hard to do like an actual like factual story about her. So I was like, yeah. okay, I'll, let's go back to the women at war thing. So I was looking for a supplemental story and um, I kind of stumbled across um, an article called uh, The Black Rosies. Mm-hmm. And um, this was on Friday, Friday night. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's interesting. So, like, we're talking, like, African-American Rosie the Riveter type. Which, you know what? I got to say, I've seen the picture. I've never heard the term Rosie the Riveter. I de- really? never knew. No, I never knew there was a name for her. The original picture, like, with the ad, like, the recruitment poster, she didn't have a name. It wasn't until Norman Rockwell put out his painting. Like, she has, like, in the painting, she has, like, her lunchbox with her name, Rosie, right? And then she became Rosie the Riveter. Um, I knew what she represented. I've never known the name, so. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, um, so then this was Friday night, and then I thought, okay, tomorrow, like, Saturday, I'm going to do a little research and, like, dig a little deeper or whatever. And then I started doing that yesterday, and I realized 
there's this a documentary and and uh, so I go onto YouTube thinking, oh maybe it's on U- YouTube, right? I'm scrolling through, I see it, and it says like it'll be like um, there there's going to be like a live screening um, March 21st at 1 a.m. I'm like 1 a.m. Okay, <laughs> so I literally set my alarm for one o'clock. Oh my god! I got up, I turned on my computer. And I was like, okay, I'm going to watch this thing and I'm going to take notes. I don't care if it's one in the morning. And, uh, and I, I look, I, I turned it on. I waited for a couple of minutes. Nothing happened. I was like, oh, forget it. I'll watch it later. Cause if it's yeah. live, chances are it's going to be like on there. Like after, I don't know if it is, I don't know, but whatever. And I was just like too out of it. It was too tired. It was one in the morning. <laughs> That's incredible. So then um, later on when I actually woke up for real, I did a little bit more digging. I went on the actual website for the movie. The movie is called Invisible Warriors, African-American Women in World War II. Mm -hmm. So InvisibleWarriorsFilm.com is what the website I went to. And that's where I saw that they're, they were doing a live screening at 1 p.m. today. So it was just a typo. Or like if you go, if, even then, I went on the YouTube thing. I was like, did, am I sure it said 1 a.m.? Maybe it said 1 p.m. But no, it said 1 a.m. <laughs> and it was just still sitting there waiting for people to yeah. start. So then I and then I texted you. I was like, hey, let's do things a little differently today. Yeah. So we did. We ended up just watching this uh, special screening by the, I think it was the D.C. Public Library mm-hmm. that put on this screening. Um, because today is Rosie the Riveter Day. And, um, so we're going to talk about the, the Rosies is what they call themselves, but specifically like the life and times of the African-American Rosies. Yeah. And, uh, just sort of the situations that they came through and like, we're not going to like highlight anybody like specifically really, or tell any like true life stories. Oh my God. There's one lady on the documentary (laughs) that I fell in love with, Willie May. Oh my God, she's so adorable. <laughs> Willie Mae Stiegel Gavon. Um, just some wonderful quotes. If you can, if anybody can like get a hold of that so many documentary, try and figure out where. I don't know, like, I don't know if there is a place that you can go and watch it now, but at some point in the future, I'm sure it will be available. Um, just look for it, just keep it in your mind and just look for it. Um, Invisible Warriors, African American Women in World War II. It's amazing. I'm, I would probably have to watch it a few more times to really get like all the stories and get all the, all the details and facts that they were throwing out there. They kind of went like backwards in time a little bit and then came back and yeah. So, yeah. So today we're just going to kind of talk conversationally about that and, um, you know, it's, it's not going to be the same format that we usually use because we're both kind of, yeah. So. Even though I'm exhausted as fuck, so I'm definitely, I didn't get any notes, but. (laughs) I I tried to get some notes and. Yeah. um, But yeah, like, like you said, it was kind of back and forth in time. So, um, but they did, they showed, they highlighted about half a dozen or so women who were, um, who were these, uh, factory workers back in the forties during the war. Yeah. Um, So, uh, National Rosie the Riveter Day is primarily uh, American, but um, it was established in 2017. So, March 21st of every year is Rosie the Riveter Day. And it's just to honor Mm -hmm. the women who sort of stepped in when the men went off to war to, um, to keep things going and to create and build um, all the tools needed for the war effort. Yeah. And um, it wasn't just America, obviously. I mean, there were um, multiple countries around the world that um, did the same thing, put put their women to work, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, so in the States, there were 20 million women. Doing, going to work. Going to work, doing this okay, type of work. Okay, I was going to ask, because they said um, the African-American women were, what, 600,000? 600,000. And... Out of 20 million. Yeah. That's, that's a lot. That's insane. That's insane. That's a lot. In Canada, I looked just to be comp- just to comparable. Um, Canada had a million women workers 
Yeah, well, we have a tenth but, of them. But our total population in 1939 was 11 million. Okay. So that's almost 10% of the population was women working in these factories, which is amazing. That's wild. Yeah. So what did you think of the film, like, overall? I loved it. I would love to, like, watch it three more times. Yeah. So it really gets into my head. I'd love to watch it just, like, like, staring at it, it like, with my in my ears and yeah it was kind of overwhelming absorb. just with like so much information and so mm-hmm. many different stories that I didn't feel like I could absorb it all but yeah it was it was fascinating um so basically uh when the war hit I mean America didn't enter the war until after Pearl Harbor 1941 um no okay. in Canada we 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 joined as soon as British Britain joined because we're like we were in it from the start child. because because yeah. that's our our mother country I guess yeah but um so yeah um it basically when the men went off to war and uh, we realized or they realized you know we need to keep things going and and uh, they realized that women were ooh here's this whole other population of humans that can do the work for us. And it offered these women, specifically African-American women, the opportunity to get out of domestic and sharecropper work. Yeah. Which is basically pretty much like their two main uh, op- options Yeah, for yeah. work. And they was, were like, there was one lady saying that she never dreamed that she could stop being a sharecropper. Like that was... The only that thing was she, it, yeah. that was it. That was all. Like and she had no uh, like the, the, that's vision the extent, outside of that. Yeah. Um, and like if you were a domestic, you got very little wages. Like it yeah, was a very, yeah. very low paying job. And if you're a sharecropper, you you got like a ramshackle shack. Literally. Yeah. I wonder if that's where the word shack comes from, ramshackle. Maybe. <laughs> And just run down, like, they showed some footage of, like, these homes that these sharecroppers worked in, lived yeah. in, and they're just, like, they, they they reminded me of, like, houses that you drive down the highway and they're, like, just these random old farm buildings that are falling apart, like, in the middle of a field. But they looked like they were falling apart then. Yes. No, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> exactly. You drive down the highway now and you see these buildings, like, the roof is sagging and, like, there's a front porch, but it's, like, half rotted away. But these people are actually living in there because that's, like, all that they get. And, you know, they would get food or whatever. I don't, I, yeah. like, they said that they didn't get any wages for that, but I wonder, they must have been able to get something somehow. Yeah. Well, money. it was like a whole family would live in this tiny. Like, they would need yeah. clothing and. Yeah, food. Whatever. Food. They, what, they would have been provided food, but still, it was like barely a step above slavery. Yeah. Yeah. And this has been the, the case since. And it was just, I, I feel like it was just like the, the compromise for white people to be like okay we won't enslave you but we'll like socially enslave you yeah where like you have zero options to get out of this world yeah the, this, the like, only difference is that we don't legally own you and we can't sell and we can't tell you exactly we can't legally tell you that you have to work yeah. for us and we can't take your children away and sell them you know to some other guy and make money but we can put you to work for next to nothing and, and keep you tied to this place because because you have no options. You have, yeah, you have yeah. no other choice. <laughs> so brutal. apparently Maya Angelou was a Rosie. Yeah, I just found cool. that out. Yeah, I just did not today, know that. Yeah. I don't know specifically what she did, but mm-hmm. so some of the women features I I couldn't honestly I couldn't see their name like they didn't have the names up there fast enough for me to like type them out and yeah and they yeah. only show them once or twice and it's just like so well he was saying so the director Gregory Cook was saying that um most of the pictures that he found of black women that just said like black woman working at this company or whatever it was no there, names so many of them were nameless just anonymous. and he's like like yeah. But, like, the handful of women that he actually uh, interviewed for the film, like, there's, um, I'll, I'll give the names that I caught. Okay. <laughs> so, Susan Emmeline Taylor King. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's Dr. Dorothy Height. I would love to know what kind of doctor she was. Hmm. Just said doctor. I don't know. So, Miss like King a... was also in the, like, question. question oh, that was her. Yes. Yes. Which was cool. Because she's, like, 
today, alive today. Yes. And so she was able to. Yeah, I was trying to figure out exactly which which one she was, and and like because obviously her interviews took place a few years ago. Yeah. Um, but then there was Willie Mae Stiegel Gavon, and she had some of the best quotes, the best lines, like just like even even the director said that slow. (laughs) Yeah, even the director said that she had this very slow, methodical, intentional way of speaking. Mm -hmm. But then, like, she'd just open her mouth and just like, yeah, this beautifully crafted. (laughs) statement would come out of her mouth it was just amazing and one of the things that she said um that the the director gregory cook pointed out afterwards uh was it him that pointed i looked in the mirror one day and saw that i was a person yeah it was the the whatever the hostess lady yeah i can't remember Um, her name okay so and then there was birdie but prior to that so willie may was speaking and prior to that she said Something along the lines of like, I, um, what did she say? I was what, talking about how they were just, we were just Negroes, but I didn't have the sense to be a Negro. <laughs> and then after that, she had said that line of like, I looked in the mirror one day and realized I'm human. Like I it am was a like, person. yeah, I am a person. Yeah. And it's, and, and it's just like. So wild. It, it was almost like there was this revelation in her mind. Like when, when, when this opportunity came up. Yeah. To kind of break it's, free. It's just kind of like woke up. Yeah. This whole population of women. And. The uh, confidence level. Yeah. Like so many of them were like working hard, dirty, like in, in the factories or whatnot. And they've just got these big smiles on their faces. And it's like they were saying how for the first time ever I was bringing home real money yeah. I was the provider of the home like all my siblings my parents were looking up to me as the provider and it just felt amazing yeah you know and even though like um it was the first time any of them had made like a, an actual like decent wage yeah they were still making like um I don't know the exact percentages but Way less than, yeah. obviously way obviously. less than the male car- counterparts, but also way less than the female, white female counterparts. They were making less than anybody who mm-hmm. worked in those factories, but yet still at that, by the same token, they were making more money than anybody in their family had probably ever made. Yeah. Including yeah. the men. Yeah. And they were able to provide for their entire families. They were able to give themselves a step up. Out of that, mm-hmm. like, um, oppressive poverty situation that they were in, and it gave them opportunities. Like some of, like one one lady was saying how they even before the war started and before, um, or before all this work started for them, they were doing all their patriotic duties um, as Americans um, by you know being very careful about their ration books being very careful but with the resources that they had um buying war bonds was a big one Mm -hmm. and then this one woman was saying i can't remember which one it was but she said that um she bought i I think it was just like two war bonds or something like that but she saved them and after the war they were able to cash them in and her and her husband were able to buy a house yeah with these war bonds like that was their down payment and it was just like this smallest little opportunity that Later on down the line, was able, they were able to sort of parlay it into a, a, a step up mm-hmm. and finally have a step up and be able to step onto the ladder and um, yeah. and begin to move forward as opposed to being stuck where they were for decades beforehand. Yeah. You know? So as, as horrible as war is, and even though that they were they were still fighting Jim Crow, they were still fighting no, rampant like racism. during the war. Yeah. Sexism. I, I mean, they had like the the double whammy of being female and being African American. Yeah. And uh, uh, yeah, it just it kind of blows my mind that even in the midst of this Jim Crow era, segregation everywhere. Like they were showing footage of like, like I I knew I've always known that this was a thing. You know, mm-hmm. back then, like the separate entrances, the separate parts of the, like theaters, like separate, um, water fountains, things like that, separate bathrooms, all this stuff. I always known that that was a thing, but you don't really see it that much. Yeah. Yeah. Like film footage or photography. 
It's, yeah. st- it's still kind of rare to, well, like, I think, it kind of hits home. I think we try to hide it and whitewash it and hide it from yeah. history books because we don't want that. Like, we don't want that on us because it's on us. Like, yeah. it's on the white folks of, I mean, Canada as well, but also America because that's where this documentary was based. But it it is on us and so we don't want to be reminded of how of the horrible things that we've done yeah it's like it's like you can know that it was fact but and you can even see like the occasional picture but if it's just the occasional picture then you kind of like forget like after you see the picture yeah you don't see it for a long time Mm -hmm. it kind of slips out of your mind and you forget that this was reality yeah. This was everyday reality for people yeah. for decades. And when you're seeing actual footage of Centuries. it. Centuries. Yeah. Like actual footage really of hits pe- home. like a young black girl drinking from a colored water fountain yeah. kind of thing. Or like these bathroom doors, women, men, colored. Yeah. Like just, it, it well, hits home. Well, and the home. reason for that, who was it? Like some somehow this rumor spread that black women had VD. Like had venereal yeah, diseases yeah, and syphilis, and, and so these white women actually went on strike, like in the factories, until the factory owners de- like they wanted them to, to build put in separate a bathrooms. separate bathroom, which is just bizarre to me because because of the cooties, yeah, basically because of the non non existent cooties. Yeah. Yeah. Guess what? The Ooh, bathroom those people have cooties. The I bathroom I mean. has everyone's fucking cooties. Yeah. There are cooties everywhere in bathrooms. <laughs> it doesn't matter what your history is. But it, it just kind of amazes me that even with all this rampant racism, like just mm-hmm. from the core of America, from the foundations, there there's still patriotic they still feel this patriotic pride this sense of duty they couldn't even vote yeah and when they came back from war the men still didn't have like you would think that the men at least who fought for the fucking country are the ones who would get a vote yeah no no No. like they they couldn't even vote yet they'd still volunteer or they even if they were conscripted like okay I'm sorry, but if you're not going to allow somebody to vote, like, who, what gives you the right to conscript, conscript them into military service? Yeah. Like, they, they did that in Canada, too, with, like, indigenous men. Yeah. I was just looking that up. Like, make them serve, but they can't vote. Like, it, it makes... They're oh not even God. considered, like, a fully a citizen. No. Yeah. And yet, and yet these people still had this patriotic pride and wanted to fight for their country, for the America. Mm-hmm. It just, that to me just shows like a, a level of character that I don't know if I would have. I'd be like, screw you guys. I'm not fighting for you. <laughs> You're not going to fight for me. Why should yeah. I fight for you? Yeah. Because even at the, like, even while they were fighting for, like, they, they called it like um, the war that they were fighting at home here uh, in the States was a double victory or double V. Uh, yeah. Victory against, they were fighting the two fronts. Mm-hmm. At home, not even, we're not even talking about on the battlefield. We're talking about at home. They were fighting uh, on two fronts during the entire, entirety of the war, which was victory against racism at home and victory against fascism abroad. Mm -hmm. So they were fighting these two wars simultaneously. Which you had mentioned, like, in the middle of it, like, you can't even get rid of fascism in your own country or get it under control yet you're you want to be the heroes of this other war against yeah. fascism yeah what what, like, what, did, what did i say what gives you the right to go like <laughs> what makes you think you can go over to europe and win this and be like yeah. these heroes and save all these people from from fascism and just because but, you're not throwing people in prison prison of war camps and uh at at that moment and, maybe. and, and starving <laughs> them to death like and yeah just because you don't have gas chambers doesn't mean that you're not the same yeah anyway because i mean there was segregation and all that crap even in the army do you ever wonder what we would be like in the 40s (laughs) (laughs) i'm sorry um i wonder i do wonder like what would our because i mean a lot of it is up our upbringing and knowing our family and stuff like that but like my like who i am right now 
Yeah. Like, who as I an am, adult woman on my own, separate from my family, like, whoever, you with, know. With the sensibilities that of that we have now in the 21st century, yeah. going back in time, I would totally... <laughs> no, but what would we be like without that? Like, what would we be like in the 40s? Because that's before our parents were born, but, like, before, you know, like... If, if I was of age when the war hit, and if I wasn't married, mm-hmm. let's say, um, knowing the... Uh, history of where we come from I probably wouldn't have done anything no exactly we would have been pressured into just being pacifists yes um, but the person I am today very much yeah if if we had the sensibilities that that yeah. we have now yeah um I like to think I would have I don't know joined the forces like joined been the, a nurse or done something as much yeah. as I, I don't have yeah, any yeah. desire to do nursing now but like just anything in wartime, it's, it's like kind of be, different, yeah, yeah. right? It's, I often wonder, like, like, or but maybe who I would I be I in this scenario three hundred years ago or whatever? Like, in any of these scenarios, maybe that we cover. I would have trained to be a pilot. That would have been cool. Oh my god, yeah. <sighs> I think those are the the coolest. Yeah, broads who fought in the war. Oh my god, or did their part in the war because they couldn't fight, but um. Yeah, so one of the uh so the types of works that they did, they were sheet metal workers, they were uh welders, who by the way, there wasn't just Rosie the Riveters, there was also Wendy the Welders. Wendy the, I thought and Rosie the Riveters kind of covered it, it everything. It does it does kind of cover them all. <laughs> but Wendy was a you, whole separate thing. I, I did watch a little video this morning and uh like his they they did like a honoring like all of the women who did this type of work. Mm-hmm. And uh there was a, a group of them that were that made made it clear that they weren't Rose, Rosie the River. They were Wendy the Welders. The, that that group over there, they were Rosie. They were Rosie the Riveters. We were Wendy the Welders. <laughs> it That's was all so in funny. good fun, but yeah, like there was. Uh, I mean, riveting and welding two totally different things. Um, but they were trained. They would go to school. They would go to welding school and uh, sheet metal fabrication school. Like more training. Well, I mean, they would all have to go to a school, like a yeah trade type of yeah, school. Yeah, but I feel like probably like is a like condensed really intense training. It probably would have been like a more condensed uh, oh, course, sure. right? Because they have to get to work right away. But well, I took welding in high school, so okay. So you're skilled. Mm-hmm. You could just go right to work then. No, I don't think I ever touched the. Oh no, yeah, I did. Like maybe once. Touched a welding <laughs> touched course. Welding. It would be kind of cool to do that. I think so. Apparently, there were clerks as well. Okay. Um, and uh, one of the things they said was this was the first time, I think this is what I heard him say, this is the first time black women were working in offices. Yeah. I, I heard that right, right? Yeah. And that just kind of blew my mind. That I, Like something you don't think about. Yeah. Because, yeah, they were basically relegated to the hard physical labor of farming or domestic work. Yeah, and if you were doing domestic work, I mean, we've seen the help. There was probably a segregated bathroom yeah, specifically for the help. Oh, yeah, like an outhouse in the yeah. yard or something. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, that just kind of blew my mind. Like, because you don't, you don't think of that, like, because I do that. office work. Yeah. And uh, just to, to just think, like, I mean, I guess at one point, like, women wouldn't have been allowed to do office work any anyway either. At this point, I think it was common to have female secretaries, but yeah, to not have yeah. black women in office, that's weird to my modern mind. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one thing that I did learn as well was that Eleanor Roosevelt, I didn't know, I didn't know much about her, but apparently she was a big civil rights activist. You know, our sister keeps bugging us to cover her. Really? <laughs> yeah. That was like the first thing we said, or she said. When we told her about the podcast, she was like, do Eleanor as well? well maybe, I'm like, okay. maybe we will then. Maybe one day. But she was friends with, um, what was her name? Mary McLeod Bethune, who was also, was a um, African-American civil rights activist. And mm-hmm. uh, apparently, because they were really good friends, <laughs> um, if 
if Mary just wanted wanted to uh, wanted Mary the president never, to know like, anything. Called on by the president. No, no, she she would talk to Eleanor and say the president needs to see me. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't like, "Ooh, can I see the president?" It was, "No, the president needs to talk." It was to like, me. "My people are in trouble. The president yes. needs to talk to me." Yes, yeah, I love that. I love that. Um, apparently, though, Eleanor was instrumental in, I guess, removing the photos from the applications. Oh yeah, yeah. I guess to, to... as a way to make it anonymous to kind of yeah. like curb the um, racial bias. Yeah, and then, um, oh gosh, what. Oh, June 25th, 1941, um, FDR signed uh, Executive Order 8802, which uh, helped to eliminate racial discrimination in the U.S. defense industry during the war. Mm -hmm. So he had to to make it a law that it was illegal to to discriminate. Yeah. Like, just if somebody wants a job, you just hire them. Yeah. Regardless of their race, like just do it, like just get yeah. over yourselves. Already. But one of the ladies was saying that she was um, peeking into the office or something like that, where they had resumes and they like would put like a triple X on it or something. Yeah, if if to they indicate. knew that the person was black, so that yeah, um, so they had their little work from, like yeah, like you you can you can put all the orders in place that you want, but you're you're not gonna yeah. you can't legislate. There's only so much you can do to legislate proper treatment of people. You can't legislate their attitudes or their, their prejudices. Um, like you can do what you can, but you can't, you can't force people to, yeah, that's the thing that sucks. But I mean, he did what he could. I think, I don't know. There, there might be a different perspective. Maybe he could have done more. I don't know. It's, this is not about FDR, (laughs) (laughs) but, oh, going back to, by all Counts that we've heard, he's yes, a badass account, bro. He he did. Yes, he did. Uh, <laughs> he was a both of them civil rights activists. Um, going back to Canada for a second, though, did you know that we had our own version of Rosie the Riveter? What was that? Ronnie the Bren the. Let me say that again. Ronnie the Bren Gun Girl. And there's no. a famous picture of this girl. I know it doesn't no. quite roll off the tongue not, quite as easily. I'm not here for but it. there is this picture of this girl. She's got a gun and she's like totally looking all badass with her bandana and everything, cigarette in her mouth, and she's got this big gun. And uh, her name was Veronica Foster, and she was kind of like our Canadian poster girl for for the uh, the war effort. Oh yeah, I got it. <laughs> she looks like a total up. badass. Um. So yeah, uh, one one of the things <laughs> that they said was that uh, this was the first time that they they were they had to wear pants instead yeah. of skirts or dresses. And denim, denim, and yeah. they had to. It wasn't like uh, like yeah. rebelling against society or whatever. Like it was for safety in the workplace, right? Yeah. They had to do it. Um, so funny. yeah. So um, after the depression, I guess it was kind of a welcome relief to get this type of work and get. Yeah. A real paycheck. My my notes are so, so random. Important. That's okay. <laughs> That's what it is today. <laughs> oh, gosh. So, yeah, even in the time of war, there were race riots going on. Yeah, that was that surprised me that it was at the same time. Yeah. Because I knew about it, but I didn't know. Like the Detroit time. race riot in 1943 yeah. lasted for three days. And there were lynchings. And it's just... Oh, yeah, like... Content warning. Yeah, this is where true I wrote, how warning. do they justify going to Europe to free the Jews and this bullshit is going on back home? Yeah, but trigger warning if you do watch that documentary. Yes, they, they, very, they very, very clear pictures that... Suddenly put up pictures of, like, sh- shots of, like, lynchings without any warning, so... Yeah. Just uh, be it's warned. tough to, tough this to is your see, warning. definitely. Yeah. Um... Mm-hmm. um yeah, that always surprised me. And like one of the things is like this the race riots were like um when like the black soldiers started returning from war and now they need jobs or whatever. So now there's these riots going on because now there's comp- this competition for work. Yeah. I'm like seriously, how how is it competition just because now the oh the now the black people need work too. That means yeah. they're stealing from the white people. Like yeah, it's. I mean, it's the same it's argument like, that people use to say immigrants are coming in and stealing our jobs, well, which they're is they're just 
people who need work. Yeah. And if they're qualified for work, let the employers make the decision based off of what they need. Qualifications, yeah. And who fits better. Yeah. Like, oh my God, it's so stupid. It's so stupid. But after the war, like most of these women were fired anyway. Yeah. To make way for the men coming back. Because it was it was never meant to be a permanent thing anyway. They knew that. Yeah. Um, so a lot of them, I think, like obviously not all 600,000 or not all 20 million women are going to like, um, rise up and, uh, yeah, you know, do all all these great things. Most of them, to be honest, are going to go back to the, the life that they had before. Yeah. A bunch of them would go back to. But once they got the taste of that kind of freedom. Yeah. I think that would definitely like give them that hope and like push them even further and be like oh I don't have to settle for this for for a bunch of them yes but I think like like just statistically speaking yeah most of them that was just relegated to a really interesting memory yeah and then they would just went back to their lives as stay-at-home moms or um like for the white women, maybe they were teachers, maybe they were, you know, maybe they were clerks, secretaries. Yeah. secretaries. But for for the African American women, that would have been meant going back to domestic work and stuff like that. But not all of them, and the ones that chose to use this as a uh, stepping stone mm-hmm. or like a platform, like used it as a what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. <laughs> but as as a catalyst yeah to launch them from this old life of being stuck yeah and not having any option to move out of it yeah now they they recognized this opportunity and they took this in this experience that they had during the war and chose to use it to their advantage mm-hmm. and not just their advantage but the advantage of their whole family and all the generations that came after yeah yeah. And they used it to, I mean, some of them, like, they went to school, went went to college. Yeah. Like, so many of those women were, like, after that, they went to college. Yeah. And they chose careers. Um, and, like, very like, different careers from the work that they did during the war. But it was, like, that work gave them this confidence and also gave them a little bit of a financial boost to be able to do it financially. Yeah. And, like, living those four years or whatever without their men in their lives. Now they had like all this experience of having to care for a home by themselves, uh, yeah. having to take care of everything mm-hmm. on their own. And it just gave them like all this confidence to just like jump forward in life and to yeah. like do something different. And it just like pushed like the next generation of women yeah. forward, you know? It's so beautiful. So as terrible as war is, there were some, little bits of like good things that can come out of it. Yeah. If you let it, if you take that sort of opportunity sure, that comes yeah. to you. And, um, like obviously all, of, all of the Rosies are worth mentioning and amazing women who stepped up. And, but I mean, obviously the reason we're speaking specifically to the African American Rosies is because, um, that doesn't seem to be a, taught in history classes you know like we don't hear about no this and and even the imagery of it is always a white woman right? yeah and so it's something that we just didn't hear uh about in history like especially you know, in canada in history books or in like how many books are written about it outside yeah. of textbooks you know so um yeah uh, I mean, bottom line, I mean, maybe, uh, Steven Spielberg needs to do a, um, mini series about <laughs> the African Americans who contributed to World War II as well. Yeah. He needs to keep going with those brothers. Um, but I mean, bottom line, these women need to be remembered as a, as yeah. a significant contributor to American history. Yeah. Like six hundred thousand. That's a huge. That chunk is a of, lot of people who just never got the recognition. Yeah, and who've just been forgotten and just relegated. Like just yeah, not just forgotten, but one one woman actually used the word siphoned. 
Oh, yeah. From yeah. history. Yeah. Literally removed from the story, from the narrative. Yeah. And that, that goes a step beyond just forgetting about them. Because, like, honestly, it's not that long ago that we uh, would have, like, a little, like, forgotten. Unless it was yeah. intentional leaving out. Yeah. And, and, and out of the textbooks, that's where it starts. Not just the women, but also the men, like the soldiers. You don't yeah. hear their stories yeah. either. So, um, yeah, so this was just like our um, chance to kind of like shed some light on that and um, share their story because it needs to be shared. And uh, I mean, all the all the Rosies and Wendy's. Yeah. And <laughs> Wendy's and Ronnie's. And Ronnie's. <laughs> like, they're, oh, please, Ronnie? They're, they're all like, fantastic. Really. And they all did an amazing job and, and did their part for the war effort. And yeah. uh, we honor all of them. But specifically today, we did want to talk about the African-American women yeah. who made such a huge contribution. And they're all badasses. All yes. badass rods. All 600,000. That entire generation all 20 million. of women. I mean, they carried <sighs> us through today. Yes. And we're all kind of spoiled this generation as much as like we're hard workers and we're fighting for the future and all that stuff and there's so many badass broads out there right now but I just mean like comparatively what they've done to like help us move forward and for us to stand on their shoulders is just so incredible yeah Yeah. definitely yeah all right awesome that is our story for the week that's that's all Yes. But please do the research yourself. Go track down that documentary and watch it. Once again, it is called Invisible Warriors, African-American Women in World War II. By Gregory Cook. By Gregory Cook. Yes. Excellent, excellent. There's probably a link on the D.C. Public Library website. Um, I don't know if you can watch it yet at this point, but just go and look it up anyway and look up the website and yeah. Awesome. All right. So if you enjoyed that, uh, please join us again. Hit like and subscribe. Uh, I don't In- think there's likes on on podcasts. Anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, join us on Instagram to see some pictures from this week's episode. And yeah, um, at the Badass Broadcast. Yes. Yeah, that's the name of it. Who am I? I Okay, I forgot how to talk. Anyway, see you next Thursday. See you next Thursday. (laughs)